Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the late night dorm room party of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who, like Sir Cadigan, follow the letter of the law instead of its spirit. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? Thoroughly amused by Sir Cadigan following the letter of the law. <laughs> he had one he, job. Uh, he is my spirit animal in so many ways. I mean, it's not quite malicious compliance. No, he's too excited about it. Yeah, I I think it's more like I follow the rules. Like I, I I'm not trying to make things difficult for you, but you have some rules for me, and I am following them. I, my reading of that character and the tone in which he explains what happened to Professor McGonagall is exactly that. Yeah, malicious complies. My mind requires a knowledge of failure. He is over, utterly overjoyed that he has completely adhered to his objectives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, we are on chapter 13, I believe, of the third book of Harry Potter, um, uh, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. And we have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid fire recap that has recently gotten much more complicated due to (laughs) (laughs) rules. Uh, But we will also follow the letter of those rules. And uh, then we have BJ's Wizard Wheezes. Uh, Spencer, you have some newbies notes. We award house points. And uh, then there are some questions, I suppose. You'll be reassured, Sarah, after our long break. I only have two questions. So going easy on here, just Excellent. have to come back to it. I do also feel like this is not, and maybe I'm going to shoot myself in the foot for saying this at the beginning of this episode instead of later, but I feel like this is a chapter that is not unclear. No. <laughs> it also if you have questions, like, there are more problems than, than solutions here. This is, that is a personal problem that I'm not equipped to deal with in this, in this exact situation. Um, but yeah, this is in some ways, this is kind of a chapter that's a little bit of a break from the main plot, I would say. Mm-hmm. Although well, there are plot-relevant things. I have a question that, that has nothing to do with much <laughs> of anything. It's not time for questions. <laughs> it isn't time for questions, but um, I, I'm not going to follow either the letter nor the spirit. <laughs> So is there, like, a chapter or two of Quidditch in every book? And, like, it's, like, between the setup and Mm -hmm. where the plot happens? Because that that seems to have been the progression of... Yeah, so there's not in the next book for reasons that I can't go into. Um, Okay. There is Quidditch in the other books, though. So there's not Quidditch in the last book. There's not Quidditch in the fourth book. Um, but the fifth and sixth books do have Quidditch. Okay. Hmm. So we're, we're even on whether we will have Quidditch going forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there is certainly a lot of broom flying in the next book, but it's for different reasons. All right. I'm intrigued. We'll find out. <laughs> so, Spencer, can you... We just implemented these new rules. Can you remind us of what the rules are for the Rapid Fire Recap? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so, last week... So, the rules are... Uh, BJ, well, given that Slytherins run the world, BJ gets to decide how fast you need to do the recap in. Neither 145, 2 minutes, or 215. That is solely his decision, and you have to adhere to it. Because, again, Slytherins run the world, and unfair is life. <laughs> um, 
You, on the other hand, if indeed you are able to get in under that goal, you get five points. You also have two different opportunities to get additional points. If you decide to bump it down to the next lower prong of time limit, you can get an extra five points. Or if you decide to bet and pick your time you're going to be within three seconds on either side, you can get five points. That's right, because I was five seconds faster than I was supposed to be last week, and that really irked me. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> if um, you... Only only other clarification detail. If you get underneath uh, whatever your time limit is, you actually lose five points. If you if you bet, you don't lose any points. You don't you don't, you don't go negative any points, but you lose any points you would have gained if you don't if you don't reach your bet. Your end objective at the end of the season is to get sixty five points. Okay. So if we were more creative, and maybe we can figure out a way to do this anyway, um, there is a Beyonce song that would be very funny. Uh, <laughs> Go on. I, it will. The title of the song is "Run the World," and it's "Who yes. Run the World Girls." And but replacing <laughs> that with Slytherin would be. Um, I would love that, except that it doesn't scan. So we've got to have. Mm. Yes, that that that, that that's the, what I was going <laughs> to say. Is like I, the, it really bothers me when songs are repurposed and mm-hmm. they don't scan right, and people do terrible things. Yes. Um, to make it maybe fit. Um, we'll have to think about that. Yes. All right, are we ready for our recap? Yeah, DJ, how long do I have? Um, I was so this is this chapter is quite light on pretty much anything but uh, Quidditch, but I, I still think it is a, a two minute uh, two minute summary. Okay, um, Spencer, I would like to bet on my time. Ah, you think uh, so? You'd like to bet what your time's going to be at the end? How, yes. What do you think your final time will be? I believe my time will be exactly two minutes. Okay, so two minutes. So if you get between 157 and 203, you get an additional five points. If you okay. don't, you get zero points for the round. And I get I get those five points even if I'm at 203 and didn't make BJ's time limit, right? No, you have to be within the time limit to get your points. Well, that's dumb, Spencer. <laughs> Can you make okay. this even more entertaining so, and I bet how long I think it's going to take her? What? I would be interested to know how long you think it's going to take me. I, I think it's going to take you 154, so between 151 and 157. Mm, okay. Uh, and, and Sarah, you know, actually that does sound interesting. If you make it within your bet time, you can still get your bet points. Fine. Okay. I mean, I'm still going to not get points for making it under the time, so, okay. Yeah. But I think, so two minutes is my guess. Okay. If you're ready, the giant novelty stopwatch is ready for you. This is so much more stressful than it was before. <laughs> And my favorite part is, I think with my bets, I can push you in a direction. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> the mind games begin. Okay, you ready, uh, Spencer? Yep. So Ron is mad at Hermione. Hermione is mad at Ron. Harry thinks Crookshanks probably had Scabbers as a snack, so Hermione is mad at him too. Ron is also very upset at Scabbers' apparent demise, and Fred and George aren't super good at cheering him up, so Harry takes him down to the Quidditch pitch to let him ride the Firebolt after practice. Madam Hooch is overseeing all the practices to keep an eye on Harry and is also super into the Firebolt. Anyway, Wood comes out to let uh, Harry know that Ravenclaw has a new seeker for the match, Cho Chang. During the practice, Harry flies better than ever on his new broom, and he and Ron stay behind afterwards to continue to fly. Walking back to the castle, however, Harry sees another set of eyes in the bushes, although this time it turns out to be Crookshanks slinking around. The morning of the Quidditch match, Harry's firebolt gets a lot of attention at breakfast, and uh, Percy has apparently bet his girlfriend ten galleons that he doesn't have on the outcome of the match, which is 
uncharacteristically reckless behavior. They get out onto the pitch. Harry notices Cho Chang is quite pretty. Lee Jordan is commentating again, although most of it seems to be about the firebolt. Gryffindor is off to an early lead, and Harry catches sight of the snitch several times while Cho, Cho Chang blocks him every time. The third time, Harry catches sight of Dementors on the ground again. Harry blasts a less-than-powerful Patronus charm at them and hightails it towards the snitch, which he catches to win the match. Cheers and jubilation all around, and Lupin is quite, quite proud of... Harry's Patronus, although the Dementors aren't all one could ask for. In fact, it is Malfoy and his cronies dressed up as Dementors trying to rattle Harry, a plan that seems to have backfired as McGonagall is standing over them screaming. There's a party in the Gryffindor common room, common room which Hermione is studi studiously ignoring. After everyone goes to sleep, Harry dreams that he's following something silvery through the forest until he's woken up by Ron, screaming about Sirius Black standing over him with a knife. Commotion ensues, McGonagall comes back to tell them off, and can't figure out how Black would have gotten into the common room. A quick interrogation of Sir Cadigan revealed that of course he let Black in. He had a list of passwords that he read until he got the right one. On further questioning from McGonagall, it turns out that Neville might have left a week's worth of passwords lying around. I'm afraid, Sarah, we're over the time limit. <laughs> oh, no. How much over? <coughs> uh, you, were, you were, let's see here, you did that in two minutes and six seconds. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you can't win them all. And in fact, I've won none of them thus far, so. <laughs> so far, you are negative five now. Uh, that's fine. You'll catch up. I'm, but, yeah. I'm getting used to the new system. <laughs> <laughs> and BJ Mind Games. I know, I thought I was going to go too fast, so I slowed it down a little bit. Exactly. Damn it. That was my dastardly plan. Uh, well, moving from one dastardly plan to another, BJ, what do you have for Wizard Weezes? Um, I just want to briefly uh, mention Cho Chang and then not address it any further, um, but it is a thing. Um, we have a few uh, paragraph sentences in this chapter. This chapter, I, I wouldn't say is rife with them, but um, we have quite a number. Um, they always seem to be uh, interspersed with quite a number of uh, interesting punctuation choices. Um, the first one is not technically a paragraph sentence, but it's very close since the first sentence is very short, um, but it's when we're first dealing with a firebolt. Which is, the firebolt turned with lettuce touch, semicolon. It only seemed to obey his thoughts rather than his grip, semicolon. It spread across the f it sped across the field at such speed that the stadium turned into a green and gray blur, semicolon. Harry turned it so sharply that Alicia Spinett screamed, comma. Then he went into a perfectly controlled dive, comma, brushing the grassy field with his toes before rising 30, comma, 40, comma, 50 feet into the air again, M-dash. Which... I feel like at a certain point there is going to be a sentence with every piece of punctuation that J.K. Rowling can manage to fit, and maybe this will be achieved before the seventh book, um, but I'm curious to see where this ends up. Um, yeah, we have a couple more. Uh, I don't think that, that Radium All is, is particularly useful to, to everybody, but this seems to be more of a writing choice as time goes on, that, that this is something that, that should be... Um, part of the lexicon. Um, it also seems to be in a little bit sort of di more descriptive times when things are going on and semicolons seem a little bit more appropriate for some interesting reason than periods. Um, the last thing that, that I wanted to mention, and I'm pretty sure this isn't a nod to it, but um, it did recall this to my mind, uh, which is 
the are we carrying on um this is when fred weasley sees the commotion after mm. uh ron wakes up or harry wakes up and ron is talking about Sirius black being there um are you guys familiar with the carry on series of british movies no i don't know anything about it no for not. uh i i think i can recommend them they <laughs> i found them very funny when i was like early teenager mm-hmm. um and I have not seen them since, so I'm not 100% sure that they hold up, but they're sort of a very classic uh, series of movies uh, that are all, like, carry-on blank. Oh, okay. Um, and then have sort of different plots. There's, like, carry-on doctor, carry-on nurse, uh, carry-on... Uh, Teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's just a whole list of them, and they're all sort of the same kind of campy british humor kind of stuff oh um, yeah and these are i'm looking at them online now they're on the in the like 50s through the 70s mm-hmm. that sounds about right yeah uh which is just incredible sure uh, and also about as british as you can get to have like a two decade spanning series of yeah of films that come out there on are, like a there are 31 of them that's insane i don't know how many i've seen but i've seen quite a number of them um i would just say there are 31 of the actual movies there are four christmas specials a television series of 13 episodes and three stage plays that's that's very funny it's the stage Um, plays that really throw it over the top for me um so that just sort of tickled me that, that that brought that up to mind um and the last thing that i wanted to point out is um, the outfit that McGonagall has uh, when she sort of turns up (laughs) at one in the morning to tell them to stop partying, which is a tartan dressing gown and hairnet. (laughs) Because it is, in many ways, so very evocative and so very confusing to me. (laughs) So why is it confusing, first and foremost? I just, it, it doesn't, seem like something that should exist um and also i didn't imagine her yeah okay and also if she was scottish maybe but even that seems that's true and you know i guess the cultural appropriation is the rage of the of the uh the times so why not uh, but but just it, it's just very funny to me um <laughs> that that is her uh dressing gown of choice um also for whatever reason i didn't realize that there were special quidditch robes and i'm pretty sure that was mentioned but it was kind of like a weird harry puts his wand under his t-shirt and then changes into his quidditch robes um it just seems like a a very on-brand thing for them to have and do but Mm -hmm. also something that doesn't seem to make sense in terms of like what you would actually want to be wearing if you were doing that. To play, yeah, to actually play Quidditch. That's a, a fair point that I had not considered before, even having watched the movies in which they are, in fact, wearing robes while they play Quidditch. <laughs> but they're in robes that, the, the, the Quidditch robes that they wear, at least according to the movies, are, are school color based, so it's easier to kind of differentiate between the teams. That makes sense. At, at other times, But they the robes wear, themselves like... are not... <laughs> Yeah, they just flop in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I'm sure it's a fun, it's a fun visual for the fans, though otherwise completely impractical. Sure. Though heights and robes flapping in the wind might be a very interesting thing for a uh, mixed sport. Uh, uh, fair. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Spencer. What are your notes? What are your thoughts? Uh, okay. Well, first things first, this is a great chapter for Harry. Pretty much everything comes up Harry before this chapter is done. On the other hand, it's not a great chapter for Gryffindors, just from, you know, an appearance's sake. Most of the Gryffindors come off looking like assholes before this chapter <laughs> is done. Uh, but is that really no, uh, not on brand? Because... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it reveals kind of that some... If you want to debate what the central traits of Gryffindors are, stubbornness and a healthy dose of selfishness really kind of have to be taken into account. Uh, yeah. Because before we're done... We've got Hermione, who is just in abject denial that it is at least very likely that her cat killed the rat. And even if it didn't, you are a dick for not not for doing nothing to prevent that possibility and continually brushing it away. Yes. Also, at the same, Hermione has had a and we will get to winners and losers of the chapter. But Hermione also, like close to the end of the chapter, yeah, is in. A dire straits, I would say. Oh, she has to read 420 pages by Monday, which I've seen those deadlines before, Hermione. You need to find a way out. <laughs> um, and meanwhile, Ron, on our continuing list of Gryff- Gryffindor assholes, is just intentionally reducing her to tears at an already low moment. Because Very mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Throw in I mean, Fred and George. <laughs> they make life more difficult, as always. <laughs> um, I mean, but on the plus side, the books are... are Real page turners. <laughs> Fred and George. I mean, the worst thing I think, I think about Fred and George is I think they are actually trying to cheer Ron up when they're saying these things about the rat. <laughs> no, they are. They are not at all trying to. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think this may be their attempt. They're just. It's such an unfamiliar concept to them. This is how they go about it. I, also, isn't Scabbers a hand-me-down? Yes, Scabbers uh, was Percy's rat. Okay. And Percy doesn't seem concerned about this. Okay, so so the only thing Wait, Percy what? would be concerned about losing would be his head boy badge. And, yeah. and maybe Walter. And ten galleons. And now I'm I'm trying to remember specifically if he was Percy's rat. I do think he was though, because I think that per, when Percy became prefect in the first book, Ron got scabbers and Percy got an owl. Mm-hmm. It it meant it definitely wasn't Fred and George. Fred and George have been Oh, God, no, 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 no. no. I, I couldn't remember if it was one of the older brothers. Um, but I think it was Percy. Con- continuing it was. our... It okay. was? Okay. Yes, it was Percy. And it's also fascinating that, like, Percy has such a lack of interest in this. No, he doesn't care <laughs> at all. He, well, I don't know that we ever see Percy like five or six comment years. on this rat. Yeah. I mean... The number of number of times that Percy associates with his family that's not directly business related, or when he's forced to go on vacation with them, pretty much you could count on one hand. Yes. So it's not like he's checking in on Ron to ask about anything. At least not no. that we see in the books. Although you want in, to associate with underclassmen. In Percy related news, there was a like I felt it absolutely necessary in my summary to point out that Percy is just randomly betting on. Oh, I've got a note on yes. that. Quidditch yes. matches. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it, it, it is fun to see Percy letting his hair down for a bit. It's so out of character. It so caught me off guard. Particularly that, particularly that apparently he may have a gambling problem in the sense that he's made this bet. A kingly bet. Ten gold galleons. And he does doesn't not have, have the money. 
Even yeah, better. I feel like that's a very with it. I was gonna say I feel like that's a very British thing, that like completely upstanding, but like randomly goes and bets on horses or, or at the dog track or something. Yeah, and like everyone has just some like, sort of like hidden reprobate. Yeah, something but, to them. But it's even better for my mind that it's not like he bet this with a third party that exists for the purpose of making bets. This is a bet he made with his beloved that he immediately aggressively goes to claim once he I, once he wins. He was very excited to win this bet. <laughs> My two favorite things here are one that you referred to her as his beloved because I don't think he cares about anything that much. Mm. And the second is that it's just like she's barely there. And like, I like that this is like one of the things that she's there for is just like Percy being the worst. I feel like Percy is one of those people in the world who feels like he should have a girlfriend Mm -hmm. and therefore has one. And that's, like, as far as the thinking about this goes. And, and probably was part of his logical thought process, too, that she'd be of a certain station. Otherwise, that would be below him if he was oh, dating yes. somebody. Oh, yes. Must yeah. also be head girl. Yes, of well, course. Well, I mean, he did go a little bit farther than just having her as his girlfriend. I think they did he does see some benefit to it, but it probably wasn't, like, high on his list of reasons. Sure. It, but it's true. She has two appearances in this chapter, which is almost as many appearances as she's had period before this moment, of where she asks to hold the broom and she makes a bet with Percy. And Percy immediately goes to claim the 10 galleon bet from her and also tells her off when she asks to hold the broom. It's like, god damn, Percy, come on. I've also uh, got to be honest, I don't remember if we ever see her again in this series. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, well, continuing our list of Gryffindors behaving badly, Oliver Wood. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Our main interactions we have with you in this chapter is being dr- physically disappointed that Cho Chang has recovered from physical injuries, mm-hmm. and then strongly suggesting to Harry that he should knock her off her broom so they can win. Yes, I believe that was rendered in all caps in the text. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there, there is no missing this. You suggested inflicting, bo- not only am I unhappy that you recovered from bodily harm, I want more inflicted on you for the sake of our victory. I mean, but, but that's not off-brand for what... Quidditch is. No, but it's we just also not a... off-brand for what Oliver Wood is. No, no, well, no. Yeah. Just I agree on both counts, but this is just a lot of concentrated. Huh, the Gryffindors. <laughs> you kind of need to look inward for a second and think: Are we the baddies? Because you've done a lot this chapter. Well, no, they're there, not there very self-reflective in the world. <laughs> That's true, but there also could be <laughs> ulterior motives. You could say that Wood is throwing Harry in her direction. <laughs> he would. He totally would. <laughs> Uh, okay, on somewhat happier things, uh, Hooch fangirling over the broom is hilarious, and I fully believe that if they'd not interrupted, she just kind of would have taken it and just started touring Britain and just left <laughs> for the day. I, I, well, somewhere between that and, and or had more complaints that the Silver Arrow was not in production, and just, like, I, I imagine <laughs> She her does as, seem like, very concerned about this, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah she, it, it's the very British, like, car fan where mm-hmm. it, it's less like I'm really into cars and, and rebuilding them and, you know, making them go faster. It's more like, do you remember in the 70s there was that one model of car that wasn't particularly good, but I have a mint condition one in my garage, <laughs> and I take it out once a month to meet up with other people that have that same model, oh, and God, we all look wrong. at them and then go back home. <laughs> Yep. We, we, we take our three-wheel Robin Reliance out to convene, and then we go back home. <laughs> um, let's see here. 
Uh, Harry is apparently a similar strategy to me to Dark Hallways, because I really enjoyed when he thought he saw the Grimm, and then immediately just kind of rushed, holding his breath and closing his eyes down every dark hallway to get back to his room. Uh, <laughs> I have not aged since about, you know, the age of four in doing a similar strategy, but, you know, good to see it's exa- it exists in other characters. Is this where these bruises come from, Spencer? Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, I found it so- interesting that Lumos, like, I imagined Lumos more as, like, a lantern than a flashlight. Hmm. Mm. Or or a torch, mm-hmm. um, which gets confusing between English and English, but it seemed very much like a directed beam of light. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. A, a spotlight on the room um, uh, when she was pointed at uh, Crookshanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for me, uh, I'm, I'm waiting for Cedric Diggory to be a more major character at some point because it seems like his role in these books is to show up every chapter or so, demonstrate that he's a stand-up guy, and then walk away again. Uh, in this chapter, he comes and just compliments Harry that, you know, that's a really nice broom you have, and then just disappears. It's like, this is a named character that seems to exist for me to be aware that he's a good person, which means he's probably going to be more important later, and if this was George R. R. Martin, he's probably going to die. This does not seem like that series, so I assume he's going to be a more major character. We'll see. Spencer, the next uh, book is for you. Okay, great. We'll see. Uh, um, who's the who's the one that's the annoying fanboy? Colin oh. Creevy. Yeah. yeah. I'm assuming he's still alive, even though we haven't seen him. Uh, Cho Chang. Have we heard of Cho Chang before? No, this is the first time. Uh, it's interesting. This is the first girl we've ever seen Harry kind of sort of crush over. I mean, mm-hmm. commenting that she's exceptionally pretty. Even you know his heart thumping in his chest when she smiles at him. This is a unique response from Harry. Um, the fact that she's skilled and also occupies the same position as him on the opposite team, they have similar interests. We'll see where this goes. Uh, also, yeah, Harry kind of has game throughout this whole chapter in that he ends up getting kissed by three girls by the time he's done, so kudos <laughs> to him. Uh, I enjoy that the uh, Quidditch commentary basically got stuck on the sponsor advertisement <laughs> for section of it and then never really left. I also love that McGonagall calls Lee Jordan out on this like multiple times throughout <laughs> this thing- chapter. <laughs> The thing that we've wanted to yell at sports commentators for so long. Get the damn advertisements! I don't care about Geico rights! Uh, it's interesting to see that Harry apparently has a straight-up Patronus success before this chapter is done. We don't actually see it, which is frustrating as hell, and I'm sure... I'm guessing we'll actually see what it is later, given that the physical form of this thing is apparently very unique and personal to the individual. So it's disappointing we didn't get to see the damn thing, but, you know credit to him he was able to pull it off on the fly the target well, into and i would say i'm just to comment on that i was reading that chat that part of the chapter again today and i do think um it's not like super clear what is going on with the patronus but i think um i think we are meant to read it although this is not like spelled out i think we're meant to read it as harry has at least produced on the fly the silvery mist that he has produced with lupin before but I, he has not mm-hmm. produced a corporeal Patronus in this moment. Okay, gotcha. They definitely described it as a large object emerged. But I, it, it, I guess it would be more accurate to describe this is a greater success than he's had previously, even if it's yes. not necessarily the full success that you hope to bring about with the spell. Yes. And the uh, idea that it just scared Malfoy is really funny to uh, me. Yeah, yeah, that was really great. It's like... Uh, uh, I, I, you come across this just pile of ropes, like, oh my god, he evaporated the Dementors. Like, <laughs> no, it's th- it's three guys in a trench coat. 
Well, uh, I mean, Harry being happy is kind of scary to Malfoy, so that's it's fair. reasonable. Yeah, it, um, this is this is the chapter that really builds you up to really builds you up to the idea that oh my god, how unpleasant is the rest of this book going to be for Harry if he's having this good of a day midway through? Uh, this yeah. is a fair question, Spencer. Um, the other thing that I thought was an interesting stylistic choice, um, and I, I'm curious sort of, sort of how common this is going to end up being, which is. Um, we we really focused on how difficult it was for Harry to produce his Patronus the first time around, mm-hmm. and presumably he's have a, a little bit more practice, but now it's just like, he doesn't have it down, but there's no effort required. Yeah. I would say that that is, um, I don't know that that's like always the case with spells, but I do think that's kind of the norm with spells. That the barrier to entry is that first time, and mm-hmm. while you have to practice, once you kind of have it, it is sort of like muscle memory. Knowing is half the battle. Yeah. The other half is lasers. <laughs> uh, it's interesting again to see that when it comes to house penalties, McGonagall don't play. I mean, <laughs> we, we see Snape just like go 1 point, 5 point, 10 point penalties just right and left. McGonagall doesn't do, point, doesn't do penalties that often, but when she does, it's 50 or 100. It's what she does. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's like, yeah, McGonagall is a hammer. Yeah, and she's, when it, you do not want to get on her bad side, she will immediately shift whatever the house cup point table is completely in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, also interesting because I feel like for the most part, like Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff don't really have like point things that we've dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is the first time that McGonagall has done like a non-house point thing where she, like, took points away from a different house. It was usually, like, she was taking away points from Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. And sometimes maybe giving points to Gryffindor, but that was a little bit yeah, more rare. that's usually based on Hermione. Um, hmm. But she did give Malfoy detention that one time. It's true. In the first yes. book. But I, I do agree. I think this is the first time she's ever taken points away from somebody that's outside of her house. I almost assumed that she would have viewed that as inappropriate because she wasn't in charge of that house. But this one pushed her beyond all reasonableness. They interfered with Quidditch, <laughs> and that cannot be done. If I could attend any class at Hogwarts, I'm starting to default to Muggle studies because if they're reading <laughs> books like The Home Life and Social Habits of British Muggles, I want those books. <laughs> I want to see the wizarding perspective on our world. Uh, I also, just last point for me, I really do enjoy that our our security flaw at the end of this really comes across like a computer security system, because Sir Cadogan has no, he doesn't have the thought process necessary to put any of his own will into assessing these rules, he's just going to follow them axiomatically, mm-hmm. and recognizing that the flaw is always going to be human, and if there is ever a human representation of flaw, that is Neville, so it's good <laughs> to see you step in. To, again, demonstrate what is always going to be the soft underbelly of any security system, the human element. And I will say that Sir Cadigan doesn't even have, as a computer system, doesn't even have the, you have tried too many passwords. You've been blocked from <laughs> nope, this account. Keep trying. I allow endless <laughs> guesses. It's not a well-coded system, but it's still computery. Sure. Computery. <laughs> well, are we so, ready for house points? Uh, we are. I think I, so. I have a reasonable bet who may be winning this chapter. Uh, Harry had a great chapter. He did. I think Harry wins this chapter. I mean, uh, some concerning things happen at the end of the chapter, but I don't think we get far enough into his kind of reaction to have that change anything. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he won this. He won this Quidditch match. Um, he got kissed by three girls. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems to have found somebody he kind of likes in the world. And mm-hmm. uh, really just a lot of people were fawning over him. Malfoy got his comeuppance for the moment. Uh, mm. Kind of the only thing that is going wrong with him is that Hermione and Ron are being Hermione and Ron. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think he had a pretty good chapter. There, there's just so much good for Harry in this chapter. It's getting the video gamer and me nervous. Because this is the moment of when they've just <laughs> given you all the objects you could ever possibly ask for. And you know you're about to fight the final boss in the next room. It's just like, what Something's is coming for coming. Harry in our next <laughs> Um, as far as losers of the chapter, we have a couple of options, I would say. Uh, Neville. <laughs> Poor Neville. Poor Neville. Not good. Yeah. End of the chapter, not good for him. I However... Mean, like, he doesn't really... Yeah. S- he's not really worse off than he ever is. <laughs> so yeah, that's it's fair. Not like this he is had... not, like, unexpected. Yeah. yeah. If you had to do a random house poll within Gryffindor about who was responsible for messing up the security system, probably most people in that room would have picked Neville's sight unseen anyway. So Probably Neville. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so, leaving Neville aside, I would say that Hermione is really struggling. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hermione I'm, is... I'm, I'm surprised you didn't go more Slytherin, but... Well, Malfoy has had a bad day. But I will... Well, that's true, because we do see Malfoy at breakfast, too, and he's clearly, like, seething. Because I was going... The the determinant for my decision was kind of the, the, the totality of the number of situations in which we see someone struggling in this chapter, and also the reason for that struggle. Mm-hmm. And I would say that Hermione is struggling on two fronts in this chapter. Yeah. And Malfoy is really sort of laser-focused on <laughs> one problem in his life. There's also a question of coping. Malfoy's always got a support network with his loyal fo- with his loyal body of stooges that follow him around. Right now, Hermione's got nobody. Since uh, Ron is, Ron and Harry are both not talking to her, more or less. Ron mm-hmm. certainly isn't. Harry is somewhat torn, but seems to have sided with Ron. So yeah, I'll agree with Hermione. It's a rough state that she's in, and somebody's going to need to show a bit of humility to get her out of it. And God help you for getting any Gryffindor to do that. <laughs> Including Hermione. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, no uh, questions. One thing that kind of caught me off guard, I'd almost assumed there was a rule against spell casting during Quidditch. So I was almost afraid that Harry was going to get in trouble for casting a Patronus during the middle of a match. Is yeah. there any actual rule on that? I don't know if there is an actual rule or not. It's certainly not supposed to be done, I would say. Um, whether there are specific penalties attached to it or not, I don't know. I would imagine that this is kind of a special circumstance, so nobody's going to question it. Um, But I don't think we really see it. I'm trying to remember in previous and later matches, I don't think we see it happen ever again. Um, So this seems to be kind of a special circumstance. And in fact, we see Quidditch matches that are outside of the purview of Hogwarts later, in which spells are not cast. So... I don't know. <laughs> okay. BJ, you got one? Um, yes, but I also know that it is not answerable, but I'm just <laughs> going to say it because it needs to be said. Where is the Marauder's Map? And Spencer, I'll turn it back to you since... <laughs> well, Sarah, are you still there? Uh-huh. <laughs> just, just confirming this was intentional silence. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. I uh, know better. <laughs> Given that we again have a dangerous felon who has infiltrated his way into Hogwarts, I I think I've kind of poked at this previously, but just to check again, is there anything resembling an active police force in the Wizarding World, or is it just all within the authority of the Ministry? 
I know it's Maybe. all under the authority of the ministry. There are there are uh, essentially magical law enforcement officers, but that they are directly they report directly to the ministry. Okay, so and uh, the, aren't the Dementors kind of? Uh, and yeah, the Dementors are meant to be gu- guarding the school. Well, but no, oh, that's hilarious. I mean, but there's not like a campus police. That's basically Filch. God it's Filch us. and Mrs. Norris. Yes. And, and it doesn't seem like ministry agents like hang out in separate towns. It seems like they all return kind of the same central base and then are sent out on various missions. As yeah, they need they're to all be. kind of more or less London based. At least as far as we know. I mean, there might be sort of smaller outpost offices, but we never see those. Um, so okay. yeah, it's all very centralized. And I mean, I think that what we have have seen and learned is that Hogwarts has always been kind of outside of that system anyway, which is part of the reason. Despite in in addition to the fact that Dementors are awful, um, it is part of the reason that Dumbledore does not appreciate the Dementors being there. It kind of infringes on the autonomy of the school. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, BJ, unless you have any questions, those were my two. Um, I I don't think I have any questions. This was a very straightforward chapter. Things happened. They were explained. Yeah. <laughs> we will move like, on. <laughs> there was a Quidditch match. A Quidditch match happened. Serious And that was like 90% and... <laughs> of the chapter. Yes. Um, so what's our next chapter coming up? Um, our next chapter is chapter 14. Um, and I have a feeling that Spencer is going to be sad and or excited about uh, this because it is Snape's grudge. Yeah, I'm excited. There's all hell. <laughs> um, and the artwork as always is confusing. Okay. Yeah. What? I don't have my book with me. So can you all describe it for me? Uh, um, it's, it's sort of an interesting caricature of what I presume Snape is supposed to look like, but it's sort of... Um, this guy with kind of like scraggly hair, but I remember this picture. Yes. Uh, okay. A a very male pattern baldness, <laughs> uh, and he's like pointing his wand at what looks like a scroll. Okay. Or mm-hmm. a you know piece of vellum or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Could this be the Marauder's Map? I sincerely doubt it. Oh. But possibly. Uh, but yeah, this is in no way how I saw Snape. Partly because I saw Alan Rickman before I read the damn books, and so that's right. kind of my image of Snape. But I think most yes. people have Alan Rickman in their head when reading the books at this point. But this balding man with floofy, multicolored robes and a Jafar beard—not what I—not what I predicted. Not quite. Um, all right, so we are going to get into that next week, I believe. Yep. Cool. Well, this has been fun, guys. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to the next one. <laughs>